the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When the people in the church begin to do life the way God prescribes it, living out the gifts he's given them, the kingdom of God is built and the church grows, regardless of location, regardless of the preaching, regardless of the music, regardless of the building, because we're doing it God's way. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I want you to look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. It's a word which literally means ignorant. I want to ask you, are you ignorant? Are you uninformed? It comes to this subject of spiritual gifts. So before I I say anything, I want to just ask you a broad question. Do you know what makes you tick? This summer, my wife and I will celebrate 25 years of marriage. Isn't that exciting? That's pretty cool. You know what I discovered early in our marriage? If, If I don't learn what makes her tick, I will learn what makes her ticked. I want to learn kind of what drives her, what motivates her. Well, I want you to think about something. As a follower of Jesus Christ, it's important that you learn what is motivating you in your faith. What is stimulating you? What brings fulfillment and joy and abundance in your faith? That's what Paul's talking about, these things called spiritual gifts. There was confusion about the spiritual gifts. And let me tell you why it's so important that we spend a few minutes talking about this. Because the Bible teaches that our spiritual gifts give us a sense of dignity and self-worth. If you walk away from this time together in God's Word with a better understanding of your spiritual gifting, you will walk away more confident that God has a plan for your life. But your spiritual gifts also assist you in your study to grow as a follower of Christ, in your ministry, because you realize, hey, there's some things I'm good at, there's some things I'm not so good at. Here's where I want to focus my energy, here's things I'm not going to spend as much time on doing. Our spiritual gift also mobilizes the entire church for mission. You're going to see, if we're not all using our gifts the way God created us to, We will not be the church in this community that God wants us to be. Finally, using our spiritual gifts, it will foster unity among the body of Christ because we will recognize that that God created each of us and we need each of us. Just like as I get a little older, I recognize I, I can't ignore different parts of my body. 
I, I got to take care of my heart. I got to think about what I eat and the digestive process. I, I've got to work on these. Well, I don't have many muscles that are toned, but I, I've got to I've got to take better care of myself. And so Paul is saying this is an important topic, and the church at Corinth was not understanding that. The church at Corinth was was more a popularity party. We saw that in chapter 11 when it came to even the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Some would come together and they would just have their click and they would enjoy the meal, but they would not truly worship. And so now Paul is addressing that same mess as carrying over into living out their gifting as followers of Christ. So some were kind of walking around proud and saying, look at me. Uh, Others were feeling like they were worthless or no value in the body. And, And Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, is saying, you guys have missed it. You're ignorant. You're uninformed in this area. So I want to ask you again, are you uninformed? Are you ignorant in this area of spiritual gifting? Now, we could spend weeks talking about this subject. In fact, we have a class. It's called Network that we offer from time to time in our church that helps you dig in deeper and even take some tests and discover those ways that you're gifted and and how you can be involved in ministry. Today, I just want to give you an overview. So to give you some of that overview, let me just talk about this subject of gifting in some general ways that is looked at in the church world today. There are three different ways people look at spiritual gifts. Some would call themselves cessationist. They believe that when the Bible talks about spiritual gifts, that really those are things that took place in the Bible times. When, when people wrote the scriptures that we now read, and some would even say, since we have the Bible, it's God's perfect word, we don't need these spiritual gifts. They've ceased, that's the word, they've ceased to exist. Cessationist, these gifts have ceased. Others would be more uh, continuationalist. They believe there's a continuation of these gifts. And so they would say that there's absolutely no change. And some, because of this, they would even go a step further. And so in, in some faith practices, you, you would have some that say that, for example, people have the gift of prophecy today, and that prophecy is just like the Word of God. And if, if God tells them something, so if you hear that preacher say, it's God told me that that even supersedes the Word of God. So that's, that's the way some look at, at this. Others would say, because they're continuationists, if if you don't have these particular gifts, like we've heard this about speaking in tongues, for example, if you don't have that, then then you're not the kind of Christ follower you need to be. Others, and I would put this myself in this category, would would kind of be a modification of these two things. We don't believe that these gifts have ceased, but we understand that we do live in a different day than that in which the, the Bible was not given to us. So there are very clear descriptions in God's Word about what these gifts mean and how they should be utilized. I say that to say to you that all across our Christian faith, there are a lot of different views even about this subject. Have you ever said this? I wish God would just write it on the wall. Has anybody ever said that? You feel like God would just scream something to you that he would make it perfectly clear? Wouldn't it be great if there were no gray areas in Scripture? If there were things that we just could clearly read black ink on white paper and have no doubt about? Well, the truth is that would be kind of cool from our perspective, but that's the reason we call this a faith journey. There are some things that we have to look at in faith, but in all of those things, what we need to recognize 
is our God is a big God and God's kingdom is very big. So don't be surprised by the reality that God is working in and through people who worship him differently than you. Have you ever been to a different kind of worship environment? Maybe for some of you, this is a different kind of worship environment. I grew up in a rural town in South Carolina and a pretty traditional Southern Baptist church. And so the people there loved Jesus, but it had chandeliers and stained glass windows. And if somebody said amen too loud or there was shouting in a song, the chandeliers begin to rock and the windows begin to crack. Not really, but it kind of felt that way. And then I went off to to school, to college, and then on to seminary, and I saw, wow, there are different people that love Jesus just as much that worship a little differently. Actually, I didn't have to wait to then because my mom grew up Pentecostal holiness. And I remember as a little boy, I was driving to the town next to us to to go to the the Pentecostal church she grew up in, and, and she even turned to me and said, now, son, they do things a little differently here. What you mean, mama? <laughs> well, they might be a little louder. People may be talking during the prayer and stuff. Just kind of sit back and worship the Lord. And, and you know what I recognized? It was different. But there were people there that, that loved Jesus just as much as I did. I graduated seminary and I went to Montgomery, Alabama, a wonderful church, First Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. But I felt like I was stepping back in time 50 years. In fact, there were some things even in their worship practice that I had never done, even in my traditional church. Every time after they uh, received the offering, everybody would stand and they would sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we would sing that doxology. and It was different to me. You know what I discovered there at First Baptist Montgomery? Those people deeply loved Jesus. And then I began to travel the world. And I would, I would go to South America and begin to worship. And in a lot of South American churches, even the men in church, I mean, they don't sit there and mumble like we're taught to do. I mean, the men sing out and they sing loudly the praises to God. And then I worshiped in some African places and in, in some Eastern European places and even in some Asian places around the world. And I began to see that our God's kingdom is big. I would just challenge you when it comes to things like this, be careful about putting your God in a box. Stick to the word and and trust what he is teaching you. In fact, I I feel like I was reminded of that even in the Middle East last week. This is Mercurius. He's a a monk. Um, There are some days that I kind of wish I would have become a monk, but I don't don't have that option now. But when he was a young man, right after college, he felt God leading him to go away to this monastery and to devote his life to prayer. You know what he said as he was talking to us? He said, I I recognize that in the body of Christ, there's a lot of different gifts. But my gift is to pray for the church. Now, I could look at him and I'm thinking, man, you wear the same thing every day. It doesn't look like you've shaved in a really, really, really long time. I mean, your schedule, he told us his schedule, it's the same every day. You rarely leave the the compound unless you're going to the doctor or you have a crisis in your family. And yet he was at peace. You know why? 
because he had, he had discovered what God had called him to do. Every morning at four, he gets up for worship. And he was telling us about the number of days that he fast during the year. And we started adding them up. And it's over 250. So most of his year, he, he doesn't eat. He, he fasts from food so that he might be nourished from the presence of God. That's a, a different way of doing it than I live. And yet he deeply loves Jesus. I would challenge you, remember the size of God's kingdom. And that's what Paul is saying to the, the church at Corinth. Hey, you over here, stop getting puffed up because you get the attention because you stand up and you preach and everything, or, or you lead in this worship song, or, or because you're really good at cooking a meal and everybody loves your hospitality, or because you're so kind and everybody just wants to be encouraged. Recognize it, we're all different. How many of you have ever played in a band? Let me see your hand if you played in a band or an orchestra. All right, not a very musical group. We need to make note of that, Pastor Buck. All right, how many of you have ever listened to a band or an orchestra? All right, how many of you have ever played a radio? That's a different story. Okay, so uh, if you've been to a concert, you, you recognize that the goal when there are multiple instruments, a band or an orchestra, the goal is not that you just hear the trumpet unless it's a solo. The goal is not that you just hear the violin. If all the instrumentalists went into that setting and saying, hey, I woke up this morning and I just want to make sure you hear how good I am, it would not be music. The purpose is that you come together and you hear melodious harmony. And when you do, it's incredible. In different styles of music, bands and instrumentalists come together to, to let us hear that gift. And, and Paul is about to tell us that in the body of Christ, you're kind of like that band or that orchestra. All of you have an important instrument. God wants you to use that instrument to help make beautiful music so that the world might see him through you. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Listen to how he says it in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Can I just stop there and, and say, isn't it interesting already early in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul is reminding us of the role of the triune God? The Trinity's something that's hard for us to really comprehend and understand. That's another one of those things we take by faith, but we see it on the first page of Genesis. And you see it here in the New Testament, that even when it relates to our spiritual gifting, they're given to us by the Holy Spirit. They're served through Jesus in our life, and they're enabled by the presence of our Father God. Now, why? 
Well, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So these gifts are given so that other people may benefit, so that the body might be built up. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another of faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills it. Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, and 1 Corinthians 14 about the subject of spiritual gifts. Now, for some of you, that just got a little confusing because you've heard of one of those chapters. You've heard of 1 Corinthians 13. What do you call that? Yeah, and so some of you thought, wow, I thought God just put that in the Bible so preachers would have something to read at the weddings. Or so that I could turn to my spouse and say, this is the way you're supposed to be loving me. And while there are applications there, the truth is this passage in Scripture is given to us in the context of a discussion of the body of Christ, the church, in a discussion of spiritual gifts. So Paul's going to say when we get to the end of chapter 12, hey, now what I really want you to do is to go after this most important thing, not any of these gifts, the most important thing, which is love. And we're going to come back and deal with that next week. But isn't that interesting? This thorough passage is one of several passages, about four lists that are given throughout Scripture of spiritual gifts. Lists that are not exhaustive, exhaustive, but they are extensive. And, And from this discussion, there's some spiritual principles we can draw. So if you have your pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola, Whatever, I I want you to take paper or or your iPad or your your phone and and jot down some of these principles because, again, I think this is important to help you understand what makes you tick and to help you understand what your role is in the body of Christ. The first principle is this. God wants you to know your spiritual purpose, your spiritual purpose. Now, I say this often, so I hope this is not a surprise to you, but God created you on purpose for a purpose. You were not an accident. As I was taught as a little boy, son, God don't make no junk. It it might not be good English, but it's good theology. You were created on purpose, for a purpose. In fact, I, I love the Gaithers. Sometimes I'll just go to my office and Pull up on YouTube the Gaithers and just listen to them and worship a little bit. I, I loved hearing the Gaither vocal band at Billy Graham's funeral. But I remember Gloria Gaither when I was a little boy singing this song. I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a great big bundle of, anybody know what it says? Potentiality. And and God wants you to understand that he's created you with potential. He's created you on purpose, and that's his plan for your life. And so Paul was saying to the church at Corinth, you are not living according to God's plan. You are not doing this the way God wants you to do it. You are spiritually ignorant. And it may not be nice. In fact, I would not suggest it to call somebody ignorant face to face. But Paul was saying to the church, you guys, you're ignorant spiritually. And let me just tell you, that's why in our church, I I try to make you laugh occasionally, and I I want it to be engaging. But we want to teach you truth, because if you're spiritually ignorant, 
dangerous things happen. If you're spiritually ignorant on one side, you may end up in heresy. You don't know why you believe what you believe. So when someone else comes along and says something that's crazy, that's false, you and that's happening all around us today. On the other side, if you're spiritually ignorant, you might become spiritually fanatical. And not fanatical in the way that you're just passionate about Christ, but you're just, you're all about experience and you're all about what you feel like God said to you because of that ignorance. So Paul was saying, don't be ignorant. He's saying, you've got a purpose and live for that purpose. In fact, he's saying, when you live according to God's purpose for your life, you glorify Christ by using your gifts and ability and you build his kingdom in this world. So when you get this right, when you fix the mess and the people in the body, that's every one of you who are a follower of Jesus, when you start living out the gifts God's giving you, then his kingdom is built. So Let me boil this down and make it simple. It's it's not about the preaching. It's not about the music. It's not about the buildings. It's not about the location. When the people, because remember, that's the church. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up. See other people. When the people in the church begin to do life the way God prescribes it, living out the gifts he's given them, the kingdom of God is built and the church grows regardless of location, regardless of the preaching, regardless of the music, regardless of the building, because we're doing it God's way. The church at Corinth had already lost that. So he said, hey, there's two things you need to focus on. And so I'm going to say to you, there's two things we got to focus on. One of these words is even going to be new to you. We need to focus on the charismata. Say charismata. You don't even know what that meant. Why'd you say that? So say we focus on the charismata and then we focus on our confession. Two things he said. Now, the confession is real simple. He talks about it in verse 3. He says, unlike the pagans, you have a simple confession. Your confession is three words. Jesus is Lord. For 2,000 years, that's been the confession of Christ's followers. I told you the story last week of the gentleman from Ghana who was kneeling on a beach. And here's my theology. I believe that when the people who were in ISIS said to him, are you a Christian? And that day he said, their God has become my God. Jesus is Lord. I believe in that instant, that confession made him a follower of Jesus Christ. Say Jesus is Lord. That's a confession. So Paul said, you've got that. You're different from the pagans. You've got that, but you've also got something beyond that. It's more than that. It's not just about raising your hand or walking down an aisle or being dunked in some water. It's about living out this faith so that when people look at you, they see Jesus as Lord. They just don't hear it. If they just hear it and they don't see it, you know what they call us? Hypocrites. Because they say, you're no different. And guess what? That means even if we're not doing all the bad things we think about, but we're not different because we're living out our gifts, we're missing out on representing Christ the way he intended. So that was our confession. The second thing is our charismata. And that is a word which just means spiritual gifting. So Paul is saying people need to see your spiritual gifting. It's divine, God-given enablements that enable you to serve and minister in a way that brings fulfillment to your life. Here's the facts. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, 
and you're not fulfilled, you're not living that abundant life, something is off kilter in your spiritual life just as clearly as things get off kilter in your physical life when you're unhealthy. And I would suggest that often for the Christ follower, it's because we're not living out our area of gifting in our faith. This is so important because Paul is saying when our charismata, our spiritual gifts, affect our conduct, our confession will be more credible. So so follow me here. Remember, this is just an overview. But when I'm living in such a way that people realize, man, God's given that person an ability to do something that makes a difference in the world. See, the priority God wants you to understand is all of this is motivated out of love. And when I get that, I'm going to find my place in the body. And I'm going to make a difference for His glory. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.